listening to the Couples Guide podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Talia. We're both licensed marriage and family therapists. And today, like every day, (laughs) we're debunking myths and delivering truth about dating, relationships, and everything in between. Trust us. It's awesome. Episode 71. I am scared. I am deeply terrified to do this. I'm not sure I want to do this right now. I need to. I actually need to go. I need to go and never talk to you again. I can't. I can't commit to this. I cannot commit to this. No, don't leave, Oh, so now you don't. You don't want me to leave. Okay. No, please get out of here. I don't want to do any of this ever. Perfect. Which actually is exactly, I feel like the roller coaster of someone who's really that scared of commitment to go like, oh, true. no, I don't want to do this, but no, you're leaving me. Why? Wait, you no, but leave I, me. I I'm going to leave you first. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Episode yes. 71. We're talking about commitment today, but most importantly, the fear of commitment and mm-hmm. what's going on in relationships when one or both partners are maybe struggling with the big term commitment or something like dun, that. Dun, dun. Yeah. So what do you, what do you define commitment as? Let's start there. Ooh, that's a good idea. So commitment, I think looks different at different stages in relationship, but that's why we talk about like levels of commitment, but generally it's an expressed communicate. Well, I guess I recommend it to be an expressed communication mm-hmm. of we're on the same page of either uh, of what our relationship means. And that means we have expectations we've discussed and agreed on and a prioritizing level that we've discussed and agree on. Mm-hmm. I think commonly we like to think about, say, stages from hey, a commitment of I'm going to be responsive when we're first starting to meet and talk. And there's mm-hmm. that to a commitment of Ooh, now now we're going to maybe be monogamous when we're dating. Um, not that mm-hmm. that has to be the case, but that's you know a common thing of commitment. And then into not just that, then long term in the future orientation of commitment. And then as life stages develop, a commitment to us being a partner together Mm -hmm. for the evolution. I know that's that's not super succinct, but that's having not thought about it until you asked me, that's when I think about commitment. If I were to actually like make it like a shorter thing, it is this agreement between two people that they're going to prioritize each other and be there for each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it takes two. Um, in this case, we're talking about monogamous relationships and a committed relationship is one in which you and your partner are both saying, yes, we are choosing each other. This is intentional. And you, I would say on, on an overall scale, it indicates that we are going to have a future together. And this is a continuous commitment relationship. Oftentimes we're not, I mean, again, we don't want to go into the nuance today, obviously, but there are nuances to this, but in a standard committed relationship, we are saying yes we are agreeing to dating. And then if dating goes well, and we've talked about this in many other episodes, we then would agree to commit to the next step, which would be typically engagement. We agree to the next step, which would be typically marriage and then et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. So I think those are the steps that I view. And I think you two in monogamous relationships for the most part, um, or some sort of ceremonial commitment, verbal commitment, even if it's not the actual act of marriage, but the agreement of we are in this together for the long haul is how I define commitment. That brings about either comfort or fear 
and different people. So that's what we're here to talk about today is what is the fear of commitment? What's the psychology behind it and what it might look like? And if we have time, how to manage at those different levels. So we've clearly defined commitment. How do you define fear of commitment and how do you think it comes up, Ryan? Yeah, so as always, I come from what we call the attachment lens, which has to do everything with this secure bond Mm -hmm. in a relationship. What's a secure bond? Mm -hmm. Well, commitment is actually a part of that. Secure bond includes safety, trust, Mm -hmm. and those are some of the foundation pieces of what allow commitment to feel comforting. Therefore, fear of commitment is something in that bond is is insecure. One of those big buzzwords. And that means then there's some safety that might be lacking or some trust that might be lacking. Or, in, or if it's like just an acute in the moment, it's some kind of distress. I always use the term like alarm bell, danger, danger, danger. My partner isn't there for me, or I can't mm-hmm. trust that they're going to be there for me if it's future oriented. So mm-hmm. this fear that can come with these decision points of going to the next level of commitment from my way of looking at it tends to really be about this. Oh no, I don't, I'm really scared of being alone. Mm. And right now I have this partner, but I'm so scared of being alone. I'm not too sure I can like put myself out there or trust that if I commit that they'll always be there for me. And instead I'm going to get even more hurt, which Mm -hmm. is really scary. Mm -hmm. So I threw out a lot out there, but that's, (laughs) No, I, I'm about to throw a lot out there. Too. <laughs> okay. um, I, I also come from a, I have a psychoanalytic attachment lens, which all of our all of our deepest traumas stem from ages zero to two. So comforting as parents to hear. Um, but this experience in the attachment sense of what's going on in the internal psyche of a person who has, I like to call is like structured in a different attachment way, right? We all have different structures that help keep us contained and attachment happens to be one of them. So if you're more of the fearful avoidant in the relationship, you want a committed relationship, but you're afraid you might get hurt. Like you said, Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. the dismissive avoidant, this is classically the emotionally unavailable, cold, aloof one that definitely attracts the anxious person, right? Because Mm -hmm. if we prove our love to you, then you'll stay forever. But that terrifies you and makes me feel comfortable. And we've had many episodes on that dynamic just on that dynamic yeah yeah. that's the I don't need you nor do I want you to depend on me Mm -hmm. right so commitment is actually that's not even going to happen because Mm -hmm. I need my independence and commitment is the antithesis of my independence yeah it's so scary to even consider depending on another human ouch yeah wow and and on the surface it's not it doesn't look like fear right Mm -hmm. it looks like hyper independence it looks like drive it looks like I can hold myself accountable and Mm -hmm. be very accomplished and successful. This is going to get in the way of that. Mm -hmm. But deep underneath that truly is the fear Mm -hmm. of intimacy, which I'll get to in a second. Mm -hmm. Then you have the anxious attachment style, which is I really, really want to be close to you. And I try my best to do it. But honestly, even when I'm as close as I possibly can imagine to you, either you feel suffocated or it's still not enough to fill the void that I don't think you want to be close to me or I fear that you're going to abandon me. Mm So I like, I I think having that as a basis from both of our perspectives at a foundation is helpful of there's commitment. Here's what the beliefs about commitment are for the various attachment styles. And then I have a little list here that I reference with my clients who I work through this with of what might be some of those reasons. So before (laughs) I go into that, I would love to hear your thoughts attachment wise. 
Well, diving into each pieces of those, I think are really useful. And mm-hmm. I, I tend to look at the, the, the fear as what is the block Mm-hmm. to this emotional connection between two people, which might be mm-hmm. what you're saying this list might be. Um, yeah. So I, so we'll see. But it's like, as you said, with each style, there's a different thing going on. One mm-hmm. is, well, I, I want to go to the different ones. You already said that. But it's this, what is this block to being able to be comfort mm-hmm. with emotional connection? Mm-hmm. And I get that for some people, emotional connection, especially using the word emotion, can get a little buzzwordy. I'm assuming our listeners are so used to us talking yeah. about it, but I just want to normalize that some people not listening to the Couples Guide podcast might Correct. be like emotional connection. Yeah. Well, yeah. Even someone who might seem shut down from their emotions, they're still emotional tuners. Mm-hmm. So there's still this piece of every relationship has an emotional connection. Mm-hmm. How comfortable are you with it? Mm-hmm. And what pieces are scary for you about it? Mm-hmm. And as you describe beautifully, each style of attachment, that connection mm-hmm. has a different barrier, a different block based on yes. what part is really hard and scary. And that stems from, at least in analysis and psychodynamic mm-hmm. theory, that stems from your child. Mm-hmm. Did you, you have learn- caregivers who were responsive? Did you have caregivers who were responsive consistently or inconsistently? So mm-hmm. those who had caregivers who were unavailable, unresponsive, or overly intrusive, may you may have learned to be hyper-independent and take care of your needs from a very young age. At that age, because you had to, in adulthood, that manifests as this is the way that I'm still doing it. However, in adulthood, <laughs> for most people, being in an intimate relationship is a goal or can feel like a requirement or we see people doing it. So we may as well, right? There's various reasons why, but it usually is a hallmark of adulthood to find our next closest intimate relationship. So based on your primary caregivers, usually parents, any influential figure in your life, if they were not attuned to you, either sometimes they were overly attuned and gave you too much and it was flooding and you're like, whoa, 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 this is not what I needed at all or they weren't responsive to you. They sometimes cared, they sometimes didn't. And when we receive that inconsistency and we have fear of commitment in an avoidant lens, right? And I I push this away, I don't want closeness. No one can take care of me as well as I can. And whether people think this or not, that's why I love analysis to go back to those times. (laughs) It stems from how you felt as a child, right? How did you feel in infancy and toddlerhood essentially about this. And that's how you're going to show up in your romantic relationship. So again, highlighting the importance of making sure you're doing your due diligence and parenting to attune to your children. Mm-hmm. But in adulthood, you have a fear of commitment likely because you're more avoidantly structured because in childhood, your response to inconsistent care from your caregiver was I'll do it myself. I've got me because you don't. Mm-hmm. I just want to add that. So, th- and I think you touched on this, but so this is something that you learn when you're really young and it can be changed. Yeah. That's where I'm going with it. So yes. you learned it when you were young and that's one of the things that we do in our offices is right. we relearn, we learn it differently. So yes. that's just one of the things I don't want this to sound like, um, I don't think it sounded like this from you, no, but no, I want to no. make sure listeners aren't understanding that, oh, this was developed in childhood. So this is just me. No, the coolest yes. thing is it's a learned dynamic. Mm-hmm. And that means you can learn a different dynamic, which is part of what yeah. we talk about when we're looking about these tips and tricks and how to look at things in a different way. Yeah. So, so what's this list? I'm so curious about so what are you talking I about? Have, I have 
the list of potential causes and it's uh, six bullets. And then mm -hmm. I have the list of what this might look like in the relationship. And then we can mm -hmm. go into, you know, how to help. So mm -hmm. aside from childhood and caregiver attachment lens, um, it might be a single traumatic event. It might be early childhood, like we talked about. Mm -hmm. Your parents may have been divorced or had their own marital problems. So by default, because social learning theory is how humans especially learn, we see that and we go, mm, no, thanks. Not for me. We yeah. might have a fear of ending up in an unsatisfying relationship. We might have seen a lot of videos and movies portray either a very unrealistic template for a relationship, or we saw a lot of things fail, right? We watched movies where things failed. We if you were raised at all on Disney movies, every parent, at least one of them was dead, which was very traumatizing. Like you're, you're learning this from childhood. Like, okay, so I guess that kids just have one parent. Like <laughs> you don't even realize you're ingesting that as a kid. You might have had previous partners cheat on you. Um, you might also have a difficulty trusting others in general. So yeah. because we've already explained a little bit of why that's a list of other potential causes that people, if you resonate, can do the research on. And how this might show up deeper, what commitment issues really mean or fear of commitment. You might be afraid of intimacy. It doesn't mean just sex. This means closeness and having somebody near you in your own intimate experience, right? And so if I haven't yet accepted that part of myself that I'm afraid of, anybody getting close to that part mm -hmm. <laughs> or finding out that part exists before I do is terrifying and I want to avoid it at all costs. Thus, what do I do? Avoid commitment because nobody can get near it. If I don't have a partner, ha, huh, right. You might not feel like you deserve a relationship. There might be some, this is the other list. There might be some self-worth concerns here where there's an undeserving, unworthy quality. Either my partner doesn't deserve or is worthy of me, right. A one up, one down, or I'm in the one down. I don't feel worthy or deserving of a relationship. And because of these other beliefs from childhood, right? I might believe that every relationship is destined to fail. What if everybody in my family has ever been divorced? I'm not going to have a lot of faith that we're going to make it through this. So what's the point in committing? I don't know how to do a committed relationship because it was modeled for me ineffectively or it wasn't. So I have no template for to do this. I don't like not feeling certain. How am I going to approach this? And you might also feel uncomfortable with that um, role that your intimate relationship or your committed relationship requires of you, right? If we're just casually dating and this also, I, I think I've talked about this before, kind of, we, we've talked about this, there are stages of development for different people, depending on where you're at in life. I want to say this as a caveat, you might not actually have a fear of commitment for the reasons we just listed the type of committed relationship a woman wants at a certain age is not where a man is at developmentally. Mm. So that, that teenage uh, early adolescence all the way into maybe 30, honestly, mm -hmm. the goal for men is fun and adventure. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean they don't want to commit, but they might only be able to commit to three hours a week on a date with you. And that's when they're their best self. I'm not going to say yes to more than that. And it's not because I have a fear of commitment but they're telling you the truth and knowing this is all I can commit to. And this, we can do a whole other episode on that. That is separate. Mm -hmm. My life goal, not being to get into a committed relationship at this chapter until I've built what I want to build to feel worthy of doing it is a separate task. And something I work on with a lot of my clients, especially women to help them understand that is separate from this deep seated intimacy fear because of attachment. So I want to note that.
when you said that about men and like, okay, in this chapter, I want to build yeah. this, this other piece that I'm yes. worthy of commitment. Yes. It made me think of some birds of paradise that do like the uh, big old dance and stuff, but they also yes. build these amazing elaborate nests. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there is a stage of life component to that. Just mm-hmm. like the birds, we got to build yes. an awesome mansion. And, you know, part of that is biological in us as well as societal about, Hey, you have to achieve before you're worthy of a relationship. I'm not yes. saying I agree with that, or I'm, I'm not saying that yeah. I agree that that's where we want to be as a society. There's um, some nuance to that, but it makes perfect yeah. sense. Like, hey, I until I even feel like good enough that I could even like Provide. commit to a partner, I need to have accomplished X, Y, and Z. Right. So I just thought that was funny thing about the birds of paradise. And if you've ever seen any like videos like yeah. that, where they're like jumping around in a cool little hut where they got some seeds that they've just yes. planted in there. It's <laughs> like, look, check out my cool ass house mansion. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Like, do you want to come on in? So yeah. when, when you were looking at it as a stage of life, you know, milestone, women are socialized so much differently than men. And I, I, I'm even noticing as I'm saying this, I think the stereotype is a lot of men are afraid of commitment this is largely based on not a lot of people knowing the evolutionary psychology about how men and women are so different in terms of life stages and at what stages we are willing to or not willing to commit and to what. Mm -hmm. So it is a very important caveat to bring this up because it's kind of the foundation for which, which group are you bifurcated into? Are you, I have true intimacy issues because of childhood wounds that I want to attend to, et cetera, or am I being perceived to have commitment issues? And I'm a 18 to 30 year old dude. Who's all about fun and adventure. And I have this girl who really wants to lock it down. And this is, this is another piece. And then we'll move on to the other part. Usually people, men, especially when they're in that phase fall into two camps. I need the queen to feel, to feel like I can build the kingdom. I want to ride or die while I do that. You're going to go through a lot of shit. If you're that girl, trust me. (laughs) And the other, but the, the benefits you reap are wonderful because you're building it with them. The other side is you're dating guys who don't want to commit. They're willing to only give you a date a week, et cetera, right? That's all they can commit to and do it well. They don't want to commit to more until they feel like they can offer you and that you can be welcomed in and they go, here you are, right? My Mm -hmm. queen. Mm -hmm. So again, very heteronormative, but if you're looking at it from an evolutionary psychology perspective, the fear of commitment is either it's the wrong time. You're asking the right person at the wrong time in their life. And that's not what they can commit to, or it's the right time. They're in their later thirties. They've built this, right? They have an established career. This is the time they're looking for it too. But that fear of closeness is what's stopping them. And that's the, that's the point of what we're talking about today. Yeah. The big attachment piece, these, these connections, these, this type of emotional connection, this fear that can come up. Wow. It's scary. It is scary. It's scary because it pushes on our deepest core fears. And I, you and I love working with couples. Um, In one of my um, most most recent, I would say, uh, themes that I noticed couples coming in for, it was definitely a lot of uh, a lot of what was coming up in their arguments, in their commitment, in their uh, preventing them from moving forward was at least analytically those deeper childhood wounds that your your partner is going to serve as a mirror for all of your heal and healed and unhealed parts is what I like to say. Mm -hmm. So if you have those deeper fears of intimacy, if you notice yourself pulling out before you want to commit to something because of, you don't even know, right. You're just like, I don't know. I just had to, that is definitely 
the sign to do the deeper work. And that's what you and I can talk about now. Now, yeah. like, right, we've identified some of those fears, why it happens, mm -hmm. separating, is it commitment or not? How do people work through that? Yeah. How do you soothe those fears when those fears yeah. come up? As always, the first thing, which is why we started with it, is identify it, right? You have to be able to mm -hmm. be at least emotionally attuned to yourself mm -hmm. to go, oh, I'm scared right now. Because a lot mm -hmm. of the ways, as you mentioned, this can present is you're not even aware that there's this like fear. So I mm -hmm. want to normalize, A, it doesn't always feel like that example of fear of like, oh no, the sky is falling. No, no, no. Danger. It's a different type of fear sometimes. But once you acknowledge that, then how do you go after step one, okay, I, I have this fear of connection, intimacy, commitment, whatever. How do you soothe that? There's, we, I like to talk about with my couples, there's individual piece mm -hmm. to this and there's the relational piece. Of course, in my office, we're dealing with the relational piece, but there's also the individual piece. In that individual piece, what I encourage is just like anytime you're in distress or scared, once you notice mm -hmm. it, are you caring for yourself? What mm -hmm. messages do you tell yourself in those moments? Yes. What, what are, are you reinforcing this fear and keeping it stuck and alive inside of you? Or mm -hmm. are you challenging it, soothing it, and also doing something for yourself to honor and love yourself in order to kind of turn that alarm bell off? Remember, I like to say the alarm bell things mm -hmm. and turn the alarm bell off so that you're no longer scared or so that you can at least go to the relationship and have that next piece of soothing. Mm -hmm. So really looking at it that way. Uh, I'd keep rambling, but on individual front, what do you think? Like, how can you soothe individually once you've already, you know, acknowledged to yourself, okay, I have this, this fear that's going on in my relationship. I think noticing it um, mm -hmm. is the first step whether you notice it or you are now like the fifth person who's told you, you won't commit, right. Whether yeah. it's your own doing or somebody else's recommendation, mm -hmm. you have to acknowledge it. It doesn't mean you have to like yeah. it. It doesn't mean you know what you're going to do about it, but you have to accept it as reality before you try and change the reality. Mm -hmm. So when you notice that, and let's say you're already at that point, you want to start doing the work on it, but you're afraid of where to start. Therapy is a wonderful tool because the, ther the therapeutic relationship in many ways mirrors, especially in my style of work, style I practice from, it mirrors what it's like to have that committed relationship. So I've worked with many avoidant people. We have two sessions. I got to cancel the next one. I'm like, no, you don't. You're coming in. There's no, and I, <laughs> I'm, I'm tough. You know, everybody knows this by now. I'm like, this is you being avoidant because we got close in something last session. And if you don't want to come in, that's fine. But I just want you to know, I see you. Right. And I've got you. And they're like, damn, it. shoot. He does know it. Right. Like I'll, I'll be there next time. I hate you. Right. And I'm like, perfect. Let's work through this. Yeah. It is, it is such imperative quality to have a relationship of obviously professionally with your therapist, because in many ways it helps to push again grow and heal many of those spheres of commitment it's a small dose right we're in a commitment essentially in perpetuity right like it obviously has an end date treatment has an end date but we don't pick that the day we meet so you're you're forced to sit there <laughs> it feels like sometimes i've been told by avoidant people it's like even though i did this by choice i'm kind of feeling like i'm stuck and i'm like let's take literally one breath and just go slowly you are in a committed relationship to your treatment right to you getting better with this in many ways, it's you making the commitment to yourself that heals and helps you to be able to commit to another. Because if I'm so afraid of myself and going deep and understanding why, 
again, it's if I haven't accepted that part of myself, I don't want anyone near it. Flip the script, go to therapy, get close to that part of yourself, understand what might be underlying that. What are those childhood wounds or traumas? What are those experiences you've had in previous relationships? And this is where narrative therapy can come in handy as well. Those techniques, let's rewrite the story you tell yourself about commitment. You have the choice in adulthood to change it. And I usually find, I don't know about you, with individuals, especially that come in, it is often prompted by one partner either losing somebody that they didn't really want to lose, but they couldn't figure out how to commit, or they're in this in between with someone and they do want to commit. <laughs> the adult version of them is coming online and going, no, you want this, but all of the other unresolved problems are coming up and saying, no, you don't. Let's let us let this side of you win, right? Let this let this part win. So that's, that's what I would say in a long-winded way is multiple parts of the first phase, identify it, go to therapy for it, understand that the therapeutic process and committing to yourself is very reparative. And then there's interventions, obviously you and I can recommend from there of like in those moments where you want to freak out and pull away, literally breathe and tell yourself, this is really uncomfortable and I don't like it, but I can tolerate this for two minutes. Then you expand it to five minutes. Then you expand it to 10 minutes. Then you expand it to, okay, we're married. I can do this. Obviously there's multiple <laughs> steps in between, but you start nope, by changing. No, nope, no extra steps. That's exactly the timeline. <laughs> That's exactly what we're recommending. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think part of it that you're saying is getting used to that fear after you acknowledge it and start tolerating it so that you start seeing an individual shift. Correct. I'm also adding to that once you've, you've given yourself a little workout and you've tolerated a little bit of it and cool, great job. That was the workout. You've done that work. Now go take care of yourself, get mm -hmm. the bubble bath, like whatever it is, right. you know, go get a delicious lunch for yourself, mm -hmm. whatever it is, give yourself that grace. Cause if I think because you and I are of course, like therapist and we like to target and really work on growth things and we keep it intentional yeah we can see where this can kind of be like a fun project like okay mm -hmm. I'm working on my fear of commitment cool right. I get uh, listeners out there aren't all going to be that intentional but I do want to show this fun side of it where it's like oh I just realized this attunement myself I have this little fear of commitment maybe this childhood thing and this past relationship all right the workout's going to be hard. I'm going to do the tolerate. So I'm going to tolerate yes. it. I'm going to work it out. But like other types of workouts, very satisfying. Once you start, once you get past the first hurdle of, you know, always starting like a new workout regime is kind of a beast because you're, you're, you're just adjusting to it. But once you've adjusted, it's actually really satisfying because you get this sense of like, heck yeah, I did that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just crushed it there. And then also I'm, this added piece that I'm really trying to wrap into this concept is then also have fun with yourself in it. Say, okay, I'm doing something really hard. So I'm also going to care for myself in that. So it mm -hmm. hits that other skill of self-care and worth and loving yourself and just piling up love on yourself when you're doing this. And then before you know it, everything about this is actually kind of exciting. It's mm -hmm. fun to work it out and tolerate the distress in a sense. Like fun is a weird word, but it's it, it has that satisfaction to it. Mm -hmm. And then you're pairing it with, whew, these really nice things to soothe and being intentional. I might even realize, gosh, I could use this in other areas of my life too. So there, there's, there isn't a, I get excited thinking about it. Let's put it that way. And so hopefully Absolutely. people can feel that, that excitement. And I think it makes perfect sense to approach it 
um, in a hopefully in a way that you look forward to it. If you're the listener wanting to work on the commitment issues uh, or or fear of commitment, rather, uh, this experience that you have towards commitment, I would also like to invite an alternate perspective. It might be your your psyche or your physiology telling you it's not the right person. Mm. So that just popped in my mind that the, the not wanting to commit aside from like, we talked about those, that phase of life stage of development, it might not be the right time. Your body might be trying to tell you, this is not the right person to commit to. And maybe you've done it, but you're experiencing issues, et cetera. And you're fighting a lot and whatever, usually stemming from attachment concerns, but that's, that is another way that it might be like, this is not the right time, right? And so the experiment conditions are, if it is the right time, it is a good person to commit to. By all accounts, you're like, yeah, this person checks off what I would like. That's also the part where we're talking about those intimacy concerns and approaching it in an excited way and going, I can do this. I can get through this and change this. The benefit on the other side is being committed to a person that I enjoy being with who ideally knows that this is a concern for me and is supportive in myself working through that concern and won't run away, et cetera. The self-fulfilling prophecy I often see with the avoidantly attached people who I work with is, well, they're going to, they're not the abandonment fear necessarily, but the fear of, I need to stay independent. They're going to leave anyway. They overbook their schedule. They never make time for dating, right? Again, all those other caveats and conditions aside. And then they go and the person didn't want to hang out with me anymore. I'm like, really, dude, you wonder why? Like, come on. And they're like, oh, I guess I see it now. Right. So you want to make sure that you're being honest with yourself of if I'm truly committed, (laughs) I'm truly committed to working through my commitment issues. That also means I have to change a lot of the ways in my life, not every way, but a lot of the ways in my life that I've kept myself safe from having to commit. So I want to also bring up, this might look like you have to work a little less. This might look like You can't be on every single dating app anymore. Once you find the person you like to meet, you have to face the fear head on. It doesn't mean you have to do everything all at once, right? We work on, if you're coming in with a primary relationship, there's one set of interventions. If you're coming in single and wanting to work on this, there's another set of interventions. Being in a couple relationship with the avoidance we've already talked about in other episodes of how to manage. I just want to join you down the rabbit hole for a second. I know you're kind of keeping us away from it, but on that, (laughs) you know, not the experiment conditions met. It does just go back to the self-awareness too, not just mm-hmm. the of, of being aware of your fear, but mm-hmm. as you said, maybe it is being aware that some something inside is actually going, no, this isn't someone that you want to do this work with. Mm-hmm. Or the idea of just being honest with yourself of, well, am I even in a place in my life that I want mm-hmm. to be in a committed relationship where I want to commit more? So I just want to join you with that because it is being, as we love to recommend, be honest with yourself first, do the work to make sure you can be honest with where you're at in your life. Because you can only be a responsible, mature, relational adult if you have that knowledge of yourself, because that's what you need to be able to communicate maturely, responsibly, relationally to the person you're in relationship with. So that's a key piece. And it's hard, especially when it's commitment. There's so many different pressures that can come Mm -hmm. in about what you're quote unquote supposed to do Mm -hmm. while in relationship and commitment that you may not be as honest with yourself or honest with the person you're in relationship with. So I do want to, I did want to lean into the rabbit hole for a hot second. There are these other dynamics to look into. 
mm-hmm. that are super Absolutely. important. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you are a partner of, uh, as we you know come to a close here in the next few minutes, mm-hmm. if you are a partner of somebody who is concerned about commitment, or you notice yourself having a pattern of, they're not you know, they're not committing to me, my offering to the person on the other side of it is, what are you trying to avoid in yourself by picking a partner who will fully commit to you, right? There's this worthiness quality as well. Why do I go for people who won't fully choose me? And again, it goes back to, I haven't fully chosen myself and committed to myself. Therefore, in many ways, that's the anxious avoidant trap, right? Yeah. <laughs> the cycle that we talk about. It's more of that, yeah. Yeah, right. I don't, I haven't fully committed to myself and mm-hmm. I'm afraid that nobody will ever love me entirely. Thus, self-fulfilling prophecy. Here's a partner who won't. And on the avoidant side, I'm afraid that somebody's going to be trying to steal my independence. Thus, I choose an anxious partner subconsciously who wants to monopolize my time because I'm pulling away and they're freaking out. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what's going on? Like, we were chill. Don't don't come at me like that, right? <laughs> You're magnetizing these people as a sign for you got to work on your shit. And I love working with people on their shit, right? There Especially, I'm not, I'm not minimizing it or calling attachment problems shit, but like, you got to work on your stuff. Yeah. You have to be aware that you're, how committed you are to yourself, how well you know yourself and how much you've unpacked and reprocessed your own life is largely going to help you with your fear of commitment turning into, I'm looking forward to committing, though I have some reservations, I'm now able to communicate those and work through them honestly with whomever I'm attempting to commit to or who's attempting to commit to me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I love that that brings us out of the rabbit hole and into, again, these like interesting Mm -hmm. introspective pieces that will help with individually looking at these fears and addressing them. I do want to spend our last few minutes talking about Mm -hmm. then relationally, in relationship, how do you soothe this fear of commitment? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because that's, I mean, that's my bread and butter. That's what I do day in and day out with couples. And it builds on these skills of attunement to self, soothing yourself and being able to communicate with yourself and being able to do that in relationship, same skills, it just tends to be a little harder because the relationship tends to bring up the fear in a more dramatic way because it's all about commitment. It's all about the relationship. You can't avoid it once you're no, in it. Once you're in it. So mm-hmm. taking that in the next step, it really is, it sounds simple, but it's so hard to do. It's really as simple mm-hmm. as going, oh, I'm having a moment. This is where I always use the term like raw spot gets touched. Mm-hmm. That makes the raw spot turn an alarm bell on, danger, 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 fear, 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 whatever the underlying piece of fear for that commitment is. Mm -hmm. And then once you're aware of that, being able to turn to your partner and first just say, oh, this is scary for me. So you kind of have like a meta share. So instead of talking about whatever the issue was that brought up this fear, hey, do you want to meet my parents? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, 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 I do no, not. No, 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 no. How about instead of talking about that? Oh, I'm really scared to meet your parents. It's just like, oh, no, I'm scared right now. This is part of that intimacy thing. Correct. And turn to your partner and share that and share it. And the reason it's scary is because blank, 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 whatever your mm-hmm. reason is. Mm-hmm. And if you want a little tip on this, this is one of my tricks is, say it with like, consider like why it's scary with that person. And you know, Ryan, positivity guy, it's because you matter so much to me. Yep. It's because I really like being in relationship with you. Yeah. So this is really scary 
about this connection, but it's mm-hmm. scary because you're important to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's literally the template that I, I mean, I don't know, I think that sounds simple. Maybe it's not simple when I reflect if people haven't thought about that before. To me, it sounds simple and easy to do, but mm-hmm. it's really hard to do in the moment. And that's what I support couples in first learning that template and then practicing it day in and day out. And, and it's just, it just takes practice and experience. Absolutely. Takes practice and experience. And my summarization as we close for today, mm-hmm. if you are experiencing this, check with yourself. Is it a phase of life concern mm-hmm. or does it come from a true deep place? It doesn't matter what phase of life you're in. You believe you would fear this, or you're at that phase of life where it's time to commit and you're looking, but you're still pulling back and know that therapy can help you change the way that you are. You're not destined to be like this forever. Intimacy does not have to be scary. And it all starts within you. Yay. That's not scary. I'm glad we did this together, Talia. Me too. I think I can stay in this relationship. Yeah, I'm in. I'm down. I'm good. Let's continue. Yes. Thank you, listeners. Actually, seriously, let's continue on next episode. Yeah. Let's continue. Because I had that other idea of maybe applying this to specific moments in relationship. Sounds great to me. Let's continue it for for even the topic. We're going to commit to continuing this topic next episode for episode 22. That'd be fun. Absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you listeners. And we'll get part two to you in two weeks. If you have other topics or questions for us, shoot us an email, Ryan and Talia at the couples guide podcast.com. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye.